Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And we have a great guest today. We have the author of the book, The Infinite View, A Guidebook for Life on Earth by Ellen Tad. Now, you can find this uh, anywhere books are sold. It's a Tarcher Perigee publication. And um, Ellen Tad has a website, ellentad.com. So, you're going to want to check this lady out. Not only is she our guest today, but when you talk about a guidebook for life on earth, that is kind of biting off a, a big piece of the donut. And I got to tell you, I got such a kick out of this book because I get lots of books from the publishers um, every month for prospective guests. And this lady tackles one of the biggest questions that anyone can ever ask uh, in chapter two, she doesn't, you know, you know, let any grass grow under her feet. She talks about who are we and why are we here? That's a big question for anybody, Linda, much less to tackle in the second chapter of a book. No, absolutely. And we talk about this all the time. You know, what, what, what are we doing here? You know, what are the experiences that we're experiencing? Um, how come some things seem so familiar? And, you know, how come or a fear that we have? And there's no rhyme or reason for the fear because we hadn't experienced it in this lifetime and it could be coming through from another lifetime. So we explore that all the time. Um, always coming down to, yeah, let's live in the moment and enjoy, enjoy that. But we do have all of these questions. And when a lot of these questions are answered, it enables us to enjoy the moment. It does. It does. And, you know, I want to welcome to the show Ellen Tad because she's an internationally known clairvoyant counselor who's been teaching and counseling for more than 40 years. Now, before some of you roll your eyebrows, you know, or roll your eyes, um, this lady is supported by the Edgar Casey Foundation. Big, big fan of Edgar Casey. Deepak Chopra. I'm a big Chopra fan. And um, the Boston Center for Adult Education, among other things. She's lectured across the country at colleges, universities, hospitals hospitals and community groups, and she has been covered in Newsweek. So I would say that that's pretty good, um, pretty good reason to listen to what she has to say. Ellen Tad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to be with you. Now, I've got to ask you, um, when you sat down to write your book, you've been doing this for 40 years. How do you condense it 
into one small space. You know, your book is not 10,000 pages long. It's, you know, 250, 300 words long. And it's, it's simple. It's, it's easy to read. And Linda and I talk a lot about things being maybe simple to understand, but not so easy to do. To me, this is a monumental task to write a guidebook for life on earth. Well, let me just give the listeners a little background. Um, what brought me into my work was my mother came back and talked to me after she died. I was just 19 and I was searching. Who am I? What, what's the meaning of life? I was raised by my father who was a physicist and I grew up in a scientifically oriented household and I had a mother with a severe case of MS. And so as a small child, I asked why. Why is it that one person is sick and one person is well? And why was my mother sick? And I had also experiences, uh, out-of-body experiences and clairvoyant experiences as a child. And I was pretty confused by it all because no one around me was able to help me understand what was happening for me. So when my mother came back and talked to me. She had been dead for two years. Uh, it changed everything. It um, was like a veil was lifted and I stopped um, really uh, being afraid of my sensitivity. And then magnificent beings from the spiritual world came to me and started to teach me. So it's really this book is really based on what they taught me. And then I have now taught others for many years in a class series. So this book doesn't represent all of the different aspects of my work, but it's, it's linked to how I developed and also basic concepts in a class series that I've taught for many years. Well, and I like that it unfolds naturally. You know, sometimes I read these books and they jump around and they, they, um, you know, I, I get more confused than I, <laughs> that I have answers. And I like the clarity that came through in your writing. I like the clarity that came through in your book. And it makes sense now that if it's, if it's drawn off your teaching and drawn off a course, it unfolded like that for me naturally. Um, when you wrote this book, what did you hope for the reader? Like what, what outcome did you want for the reader? Well, I, I want people to be curious about life, to ask the deeper questions and to recognize that direct spiritual experiences are really available to everyone and that we are more than we've been taught. We are, we're not just genetics and conditioning from our environment, but uh, we're all spirit temporarily on the earth, and we all have reasons why we're here and lessons we've come to learn. So um, with a curiosity and with certain tools that I talk about in this book, people can have their own direct experiences that I think bring into focus meaning and a sense of purpose. Now, I have you, a question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Linda. I, it's kind of repetitive because we, we don't have the, um, the, the cue, but um, I, I, Ellen, why is it that so many people 
are afraid to delve into this um, area. Uh, and when you approach it, you know, they just, you know, say, no, I don't believe in that. And um, it doesn't hold any value for me. Um, I, you know, I can't understand why everybody isn't more curious about it, but what keeps them from wanting to find out more about who they really are? Well, I think, I think there are different answers for different people. Um, you know, children are very open. Um, I thought I was going to be a child psychologist before I had my spiritual awakening because I was always interested in human development. And when I raised my own children, they had their own clairvoyant experiences and memories from previous lives. But because we live in a culture that doesn't emphasize these ideas, they end up, um, you know, dissipating. And um, this is where our cultural conditioning is so powerful. And I think that if there was more emphasis on openness and exploration, then it would be quite natural for children to continue to be opened into adulthood. So I think, I think uh, you know, we have an educational system where the focus is on being right or being wrong, not a focus on learning. I used to tell my children when they went to school, you know, you're not supposed to understand something before you learn it. And this idea of um, competition, you know, getting yeah, the A yeah. and being the one who knows, um, I think... I think there's a lot of fear that's instilled through our educational system about being foolish. Now, you said that your children have these abilities, too. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask you if, you're, if your mom or your, or your dad had them. Um, but do you do, is it genetic? I mean, if, if, if one person, a mother, father, if, I don't know, sister, brother had it, then it sort of runs down um, the genetics of the family. Well, I think past lives have a huge impact. Um, you know, in my family, my oldest brother was a musician. And we all took music lessons, but he really excelled and became a professional musician. And I believe in reincarnation, and I can see that he had many past lives as a musician, so it carried over. I had past lives where... I did have a clairvoyance and a sensitivity and it carried over. So I think there can be some genetic carryover as well, but I actually feel that the reincarnation element is stronger. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I know that, you know, Sandra ha has a, more abilities than I do. I, I believe everything, and I, uh, my friends call me the bridge, because even though I don't have these experiences, I so believe it, and um, because it, it, it doesn't make sense any other way. I, if we were just here for so many years, and then we die, and then that was the end of it. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any purpose for us to be alive in the first place. So, um I'm, you know, I'm just so curious of, um, you know, why we're here and, and the lessons that, you know, we're here to learn. And if we learn the lessons that we're here to learn, then we don't have to carry them back where we 
where we came from. You know, we'll have new, new lessons, but that particular, we call them thorns or something in us, inside it, will have been dealt with and resolved so that doesn't have to keep on going um, as we do. Does that make sense or did I, was I just rambling? Well, um, you know, my, my guides and teachers have talked about the fact that everyone is spirit, which is a spark of the God force. It's, the yeah, only, it's yeah. our enlightened self. And then the soul is the container of the spirit that contains our past life patterns, memories, talents, and fears. And then over the soul is our personality, which is influenced by genetics and conditioning from parents, society, and education. And then the past life influences and the spirit. So what I've been taught is we're all here learning how to manifest or actualize our spiritual nature. So, you know, we have this idea that happiness is getting what we want. And then if we don't, we feel sad or mad or hurt. And, and from my guide's perspective, the focus is on how we handle things because we're all going to be given challenges as well as ease. And it's really a process of, um, learning to actualize this spiritual essence of our nature in the midst of very many different situations. I need to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Ellen Tad of The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central. It's words you never heard. Here's some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. 
Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio with Linda Franklin, and we're visiting today with Ellen Tad. Now, her name is spelled T-A-D-D. You're going to want to check out her book, The Infinite View, A Guidebook for Life on Earth. Now, when we were going to break, Ellen, we were talking a little bit about kind of our purpose and our reason and, you know, good things happen to us, not so good things happen to us, and our soul is here to learn. Is that what, what, am I paraphrasing properly? Yes, yes, the soul, we're here, well, we're here to learn, we're here to contribute, and we're here to enjoy. So it's really those three aspects, but the process, you know, and I, I want to go back to the story about my mother coming back and talking to me after she died. You know, she had a very difficult life and she said, do not mourn for me, for I chose what I endured to learn compassion for those who suffer. So we're all here learning about spiritual principles, compassion, love, balance, creativity to actualize our spiritual nature. So when to, to take this and put it in perspective, um, you know, like let's say somebody's going through a divorce or somebody has a sick spouse or a sick child or a sick parent or has been through a foreclosure or a natural disaster or they're born into poverty. All these things we have agreed upon before we come here. And so these soul lessons that we're supposed to learn, you mentioned compassion. What are some of the other soul lessons that, that people learn and their circumstances uh, help them learn that? Well, it varies. So the example, let's say um, a woman is going through divorce. The lesson might be to, um, stand up for herself and learn the lesson that um, she should no longer be uh, mistreated, to know her own value. That's one possibility. Another possibility is um, that a husband and wife choose to divorce and their lesson is to not be so concerned about what other people think and to be true to themselves. And they remain friends, but they they uh, know that divorce is not bad, but rather appropriate in their circumstance. So I always say attunement, attunement, and attunement. This is the most important thing. And attunement is aligning our conscious mind with this deeper level, with the essence in ourself and this essence that holds life together. And this attunement can be accessed through deep listening and deep focus. And what I love about the concept 
is there aren't hard and fast rules about what is right, what is wrong. But through this process of deep listening and deep focus, we are able to move into the flow of our life's learning and our life's purpose. I was just writing everything down, Ellen. That was so fascinating. <laughs> so go ahead, Linda. And I, I, with some of the people that are in our lives now, um, I believe that, you know, we have had different lifetimes with these people and we may not have resolved the issues we had to resolve. And so here we are again trying to make that happen. Well, again, it, it varies. One of the things my guides has said is pay attention to what is universal and what is unique. So sometimes we come together with someone because they are really a support for us. And it's not so much there's a lack of resolution as much as they're going to help us in whatever our purpose happens to be. In another case, it may be um, there's been a lack of resolution where there's been, you know, fear to to really communicate honestly or to say no when it's appropriate. So there's so many possibilities. And, um, but I guess the plot, the part that's universal is we do come together for reasons. And then the process of determining what those reasons are takes deeper examination. Now you talked about, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Linda. No, no, you go. Well, I just wanted to um, I wanted to ask you something about the the practice of this. Like all this sounds good to me, but what does it look like in practice? Do you just sit down in the middle of the grocery store cross-legged and and you know contemplate the the meaning of why something happened? I mean, how what does this look like in day-to-day -day reality? That's where I get tripped up. Okay, so there's a chapter in my book about the importance of the third eye chakra. So the, third, the chakra system is an energy system in the etheric body that goes from the top of the head to the base of the spine. And it's through these centers that we emanate and process life experiences. And just like with anatomy and physiology, it functioned before anyone understood it. Well, chakras function whether people acknowledge them or not. Well, the third eye chakra in the middle of the forehead is the center of focus and concentration, and it's the center of wisdom and good decision-making. So one of the lessons I've been given is to learn to live life looking through your forehead. I've been told when you open two eyes, open three. They, they have told me that the idea of following the gut is not a good idea because it's the center of emotion. And they say perception should inform emotion. And the third eye is the center of clear and objective perception. So one of the things I do is I wake up in the morning and I stare at a point. And from that focus, I say, what are my priorities today? So the third eye is activated through focus and concentration alone. And, you know, we know about it from sports where athletes talk about the zone. And the zone is the state of deep focus where an athlete no longer cares whether they win or lose, but they perform their very best. 
So the third eye is is a potent tool. When I first learned it, it changed my life, and it uh, I watch it change lives of my students. And so it's a moment-to-moment focus. And uh, I have a student who's bringing this tool into elementary schools, and it's phenomenal what happens to kids when they learn deep focus and concentration. Wow. I love that. I mean, you, I think the, the younger the child is that can learn all of these valuable lessons, the sweeter their life is going to be. And it's really interesting that you said, you know, don't listen to your gut because we're always saying, listen, you know, I've got a gut feeling and they say, go with your gut. And you're, and you're saying, no, no, because the gut is the emotion, not, not the third eye perception. Yes. Yeah, so one thing <laughs> I was told many years ago is don't follow what you feel because your feelings come from many places. They can come from fear, they can come from clarity, they can come from the opinions of others. And what they say is perception informs feeling. So if we're confused in our perception, that's going to inform how we feel. So strengthening the third eye then informs the solar plexus or the gut about appropriate emotion. So, you know, it's it's counter to what's very popular, but I've taught this technique, which is now called the TAD technique, which is comparison of perception from the gut to the third eye to large numbers of people. And it's really been my laboratory in terms of proving the theory. And I, I must say it's a significant positive change. So this is something that a person would do every day. Um, would it be kind of a meditation? Only you're focusing on. You said a, a point and and asking. You know what what did the what do I need to have for today or what is my focus of attention today? So is it kind? Is it is it, you have to be in a meditative state to do this? Well, um, what I love about the third eye is that it's it's very easy to get there. It may not be easy to sustain, but it's easy to experience it. So to me, meditation is quite different. Meditation is being able to still our brain chatter and listen. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, some people can meditate very easily. The analogy I use is it's like uh, digging a well. Some people, you know, you dig a well and you put a few shovels in the dirt and you hit water. Other times you have to drill and drill and drill. So some people have an easy time learning to still their mind and others really have to work hard in order to attain that skill. But once you can do it well and you can do it at will, then what I find for myself is I can turn off my brain chatter at will. And this is one of the reasons I do have access to my guides because it takes that kind of deep listening to develop a dialogue. So in my book, I I talk about my particular approach to meditation, which is not a relaxation exercise, but really an interactive process of stilling the mind, listening, and then asking questions and receiving answers. So, you know, just as we have our physical senses, all of these senses can be deepened to the spiritual level. And so the the two that I'm really focusing on are the the deep listening and the deep 
focus and and then it becomes very practical and you know when I first was trained by my guides I was raising two small children and they taught me you know how to get insight when I was folding the laundry you know to integrate deep listening and deep focus into the most everyday activities mm-hmm. yes so it yeah so the mundane uh, activity actually becomes a meditation and you're you but the key is just shutting off that we call it the monkey brain on the show um of those ridiculous voices in our head that really don't mean anything and yet we pay attention to them and <laughs> it makes it makes our life quite confusing well the I think the key to a successful meditation is the opening of the crown chakra, which is um, the bridge from the material to the spiritual dimension. And it's through this center that we can access spiritual guidance. And when that center's opened, it's much easier to silence the brain chatter. If that center isn't open, then I think it becomes quite difficult to silence the brain chatter. And um, trust, devotion, and inspiration are what open that center. And we can integrate that also. So, you know, as you can hear, my book is packed full of information. And it's, it's really about the practical, integrating spiritual sensitivity into everyday life. Yeah, We're visiting today we with... Need. We're visiting today with the Infinite View author, Ellen Tad, a guidebook for life on Earth. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies Time and change are accelerating, making it increasingly difficult to gracefully go with the flow. Women Change the World presents conversations with featured guests about changes in their lives and how that change has created new and positive opportunities. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. We all know that change can knock you off course. And Dr. Beth's show and practices focus on revealing everything that's right with you. This information will help you make choices that align your true nature and set you along your path of least resistance. As Dr. Beth says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. For more on Dr. Beth and her show, go to drbethgolden.com. That's drbethgolden.com. Women change the world. With your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central, here on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Being consistent with your exercise is the pathway to success and healthy living. Jawbone collected data from their fitness trackers and found that the most consistent exercisers work out at 6 o'clock a.m. When you exercise first thing in the morning, you set the stage for the whole day. Exercise gets your endorphins and creative juices flowing and fuels your energy for the day. They also reported that the least consistent exercisers slotted their workout times after 6 o'clock p.m. Shape Magazine says that the read-between-the-lines lesson 
is that situations out of our control can surface during the day that can disrupt or cancel your workouts. So set your alarm early and get your workout done first thing to reap the benefits for the rest of the day. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls. Hey, ladies. We're here today with Ellen Tad, author of The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. And boy, if you don't know anything about chakras, you will by the end of today's show. Um, girls, these energy centers that we're talking about, we were talking about the crown chakra before we went to break. Ellen, do you have any advice on how do we get the chakras open or spinning in the right direction? Or there's there's so much information out there. Can you give it to us in a simple way what a practice looks like to to open up these energy centers so we can start to work with them. So I became interested in the chakras because I wanted to understand human behavior, but because I had a clairvoyance, I didn't read about them. I just watched them. And actually for a couple of decades, I just watched people's chakras to understand them. I was interested in how do they function in everyday life? What makes them be diminished? What makes them dominant? What makes them healthy? And I actually wrote a little book called The Wisdom of the Chakras based on my observations. So each center functions differently. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot to explain uh, right here. But um, inspiration is key for the crown. Focus and concentration is key for the third eye chakra in the middle of the forehead. Uh, the throat um, what really, this is the center of self-esteem and what keeps the throat health healthy is separating identity from behavior. We are always good because we're part of the creative force of the universe, but our behavior isn't always so great. So when we make a mistake or do something that isn't ideal, it doesn't have to affect our self-esteem because we're spirit and we're learning. And the heart chakra is the center of love. But my guides say it's a radiator, not a discriminator. Once again, don't follow your heart. Let the third eye guide the heart in its appropriate expression of love. So I, you know, I um, feel like there are a lot of popular notions out there that my guides and teachers are not in agreement with. So I have a different perspective. Um, the solar plexus, the center of emotion and harmony is so important for it allows us to feel, but we don't want to be feeling our way through life. It's like walking down the street with the eyes closed, feeling our way. If we open our eyes, we can use our feelings selectively. So um, there's a lot of information. Well, the one of the things that I Oh, go ahead, Linda. No, I was just going to say, because of what we're going through now, I mean, globally, not just in this country, but there's so much uncertainty and so much fear and so much everything. I mean, there is a big transition going on, and um, it, it's, it's undeniable. So how um, 
tell people how because they're they're nervous, they're scared. I mean, every day there's there's a, a new a new crazy piece of information that gets dropped on us. How do we protect ourselves from from what's going on all around us? Well, I think if we look at the history of humanity, we see that we have had many very difficult times. Um, yep. what, makes, what makes this different is linked to the environmental crisis. Um, you know, we have a tremendous amount of extinction. We have um, the realization that, you know, pollution in Beijing doesn't stay in Beijing. We have uh, problems with our oceans. So we're in a very serious time. And I have been told that our world circumstance will worsen. And what gives me great comfort is I know I'm spirit and I'm temporarily on the earth. You know, uh, we tend not to talk about death. We tend to avoid it, but it's woven into life. And the process of accepting it and saying, okay, you know, things are not going the way we want them to. It's important not to avoid um, but to um, learn. And I think there, there are many people who don't like to look at the hard realities of what's going on on our planet because it does frighten them. But it also has the potential to move us to a deeper spiritual understanding that we are all interconnected, we are all one, and nature is begging us to learn this lesson and when we're focused in ways that are too individualistic, then, then we have great problems. So I, I see the difficult times as um, simply a manifestation of many unlearned lessons and opportunities for, for growth and healing in the soul. So, you know, I love to quote my son when he was in high school. He said, when you experience the human condition from the human perspective, it's a tragedy. When you experience the human condition from the spiritual perspective, it's really interesting. I, I love that. And that's what I said. You know, I'm finding this time very exciting because, you know, we really haven't seen anything quite like it. And it, it's quite amazing to watch. And, and I think it is. I think it's a big transition that we're, we're going through. And I think it's meant for the human beings on the planet, you know, to really, to go deeper and to, and to really experience who they really are because so many people are just, they're, they're clueless. They're, 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 they're just mired in fear and, and blame. And it, it's, it's, it doesn't work. Yes, it, it, well, it, it doesn't work. And so I feel, you know, I feel compassion because if, someone hasn't opened to the spiritual level, I, I think it must be very difficult before I started to feel and experience the spiritual aspect of life. I felt great anxiety and confusion, even though I was quite young, I remember what it felt like. So, you know, I, I hope that my book will offer contribution. I hope it has a tone that's personal and um, and therefore helps to pull people in out of curiosity to contemplate uh, these deeper questions. 
when you first started developing some of your gifts or some of your um, abilities, and I, I agree with you, most people have a lot of ability that whether it's our culture, whether it's their family, whether it's their beliefs or just, you know, the idea that you must be something special to have these um what how did you develop them how, what did you turn to did you did you read did you study with people did you you know there's so much out there today that wasn't available 40 years ago or did you go internal and let your guides direct you well my experiences were very dramatic um you know i i write about an experience where you know, at three in the morning, I was woken up and there in front of me was an apparition of a, a wonderful Asian man who had the most compassionate face that I'd ever seen. And he started coming to me and teaching me through telepathy and sometimes direct voice. You know, my experiences weren't subtle. They were dramatic. And I think I needed that. And so I was literally trained by beings in the etheric world who were teachers and masters. You know, when I realized I had an ability, I had to decide what I wanted to do with it. And I, I really wasn't wanting to give messages from dead relatives. I was really, even though that's what opened me, I was more interested in talking to the philosophers, the masters, the teachers, and so literally, quite literally, when my children were young, you know, I'd be folding the laundry and there would be this magnificent being who would come and give me a discourse. So I, I experienced this training really for 10 years before I started to teach. And, um, and then one day I was told it was time to teach. And, you know, I never had to advertise. People just came and, um, and so, you know, it's been it's been an extraordinary training and life. And I think that, um, you know, and because I've had so many students, there are always people in the class who have very dramatic experiences. And then those whose experiences are not as dramatic, but everyone starts to have some sense of direct connection with spirit. Well, and that's one of the things that you bring up that always, you know, made me laugh, Ellen. I come from a long line of really deeply spiritual, talented uh, women. And, you know, my older sister would have these experiences and they were always so grand and they were always so um, big and, and dramatic. And, you know, if she had a past life, she was somebody famous or she was choked in some dramatic fashion. And, you know, I would sit here and it was just so plain spoken. It was, um, there wasn't a whole lot of drama. And so as a result, I thought my stuff didn't have as much value because it was very quiet. And a lot of it would come when I was ironing or when I was walking. You know, there wasn't any bells and whistles. And I, I really want to um, acknowledge all the differences in your students today because I didn't get a lot of the big drama movie-like experiences, they were quiet. They would come through smell. They'd come through sight. They'd come through, a lot of it would come through. I know this sounds silly, Ellen, but when I'm organizing my closet, 
I'm in there organizing my closet. I like everything. I'm a little OCD. I like everything lined up like rainbows. I like all my white shirts together. I like all my, you know, and it's got to be Roy G. Biv, Roy, you know, uh, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, little peculiarity things. But when I go in my closet and I start cleaning and organizing and inspecting my garments, it's, it's like a ritual to me. I get my best information, but it's not, you know, it's it's not a big deal. It's not a big drama. And so I need to take us to commercial break. So I want to talk to you about your students for some of these different experiences that you can share with us because we are all so different. And I don't think we should discount something just because it comes while I'm organizing my closet and not in some big dramatic, you know, out of body experience. I think there's room for all of us to have these different experiences in our own unique way. Now, I want to talk about your book real quick. The book is called The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on earth. The author is Ellen Tad. That's who we're visiting with today. Ellen, and her last name is Tad, T-A-D-D.com. You're going to want to get a copy of this book. It just came out, so it's hot off the press. We'll be back in a few minutes after the messages from the sponsors. More with Ellen Tad after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? The tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's a word for food that's unfit for human consumption? Ma wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's a word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray on myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Bye. 
We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin and our new friend, Ellen Tad, author of The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. When we went to break, we were talking a little bit about my really laundry-based experiences, and then my family members having much more grand adventures with some of this stuff. And Ellen, I really did feel like my stuff wasn't as valid as some of these other big dramatic experiences. Is that something you find when you're teaching people that I'm not the first one to experience very calm, prosaic kind of experiences? Well, you know, Unfortunately, we have a competitive world, so people can get caught in feeling better than or less than. But, you know, the fact is that um, we are individuals, and I, I love your story about organizing your closet, because what opens the crown chakra is inspiration, and inspiration um, happens to people in many different ways. And obviously, you get inspired organizing. So once you have that inspiration, your crown chakra opens, which gives you access to the spiritual world and to your guides. So for one person, it happens that way. And, you know, my father used to lie down and listen to classical music before his um, before he'd start a research project. And he knew when he was in the inspiration of the music that ideas were given to him and he knew they weren't his and then he'd go to the library and research them. So his, that was his way of having direct connection. So um, there are many ways, you know, people in the shower think that they had a great idea, but it's actually the water over their head felt so inspired and wonderful that they got some piece of information from someone in the spiritual world. I think that it's not that we need drama. I think I needed drama just because of what my work is and that I'm a visionary. Um, it, it comes very much uh, in pictures for me. But, you know, there, there's so many different ways that we can have spiritual connection. Uh, one person is in their third eye, they have visions. Another person is in their th third eye and they, they have wisdom. Uh, both are valid, both are important, and it has to do with often our past lives, how we've developed. Um, so, so that's great. I'm well, I'm so glad that you demystified my organization because, you know, People are like, oh, well, you're OCD. You have to have things a certain way. And there's a lot of truth to I want things a certain way. But when I start organizing, and I'm a chronic organizer, I reorganize my office, I reorganize my kitchen, I reorganize my closet. And I am called to do that. And I put it that way because it isn't that it's a mess. I'm just, when I start organizing things, it's like I go into this different space where where and you're right it's inspiration i get my best ideas organizing my office organizing my closet i just the simple process of taking everything out of my tote bag and lining it up and looking at it and making it like you know putting the pencils in their pencil case or the things like that that little ritual 
frees me up to do other things. And I never really understood it. I just looked at it as, well, I've got to figure something out. So let's go organize. <laughs> well, you know, I have done that through the years too, that I, that's why I love cleaning the house and organizing because that's when I would always have time to connect with my guides. And it was a kind of active meditation. So I understand what you're talking about very well because I've done it quite a bit. And I just think it's always very interesting to contemplate what inspires me and to ask the people in our lives because the answers are so varied and so interesting. And yet it's the key, it's, it's one fundamental key to direct spiritual experience. Well, and I'm not a good sit stiller. You know, I'm very hard to sit still to meditate. Now, I can meditate wonderfully when I walk. I love, I've swam since I was four years old, you know, competitively. I find the repetitive swimming, again, another great way for me to meditate and connect in with, with my faith and with spirit. But boy, if you ask me to sit on a mat with my legs crossed and my hands on my knees, it's like someone shooting electrical sparks through me and I'm supposed to sit still. I I just want to embrace, <laughs> you know, that we're we are all so different and different doesn't mean better or worse. That was something that I had to come to terms with. And I'm probably still struggling with that just because I'm different doesn't mean it's better or worse. Yes. That's so important to, you know, I like a phrase from my guide, which is the, the individual emphasis of our spirit is our particular instrument in the orchestra of life that together we form a symphony, but think about an orchestra, how varied the instruments are. And so we wouldn't want to have all the same instrument. It wouldn't be nearly as interesting or creative. So yes, this process of accepting who we are, what our individual expression is, that's why happiness is self-actualization. Well, and to go along with your music theory um, analogy, it's like if I'm like my sister's a flute and my other sister's a violin and then another sister's on the drums, then I'd be the trombone. I mean, we're all really different. So, you know, why would we have the same experiences and why would things, some things be meaningful to us? Uh, than to others. I mean, we all pay attention in different ways. We all learn in different ways. Why would our spiritual um, connection be the same? I think just because of all the oneness thing, I started to get confused going, oneness is not sameness. Yes, because we have both oneness and individuality. And it's that combination that is the winning combination the recognition of the interconnection of everyone and everything, and yet the um, the uniqueness of each individual. Do you find that um, in, in teaching people these kind of high advanced spiritual concepts that languaging plays a big part? You know, sometimes I get tripped up, Ellen, by the use of certain words, you know, like like confusing oneness with sameness. And, you know, when you're trying to impart these concepts to people, um, do you find that languaging becomes really important? 
Yes, language has been very important to me. And one of, I actually have had this co-teacher work with me through the decades. And he has had my students meditate on words in order to clarify their, their definition. He says that if words are not understood, then attitudes become confused and then actions become confused. So the process of clarifying terms has been a big part of my teaching. I was, saw, I was looking through your website today and you, were, you talked about the difference between desire and attachment. And um, I would like you to take the confusion out of that for our listeners. So what I've been taught is that pure desire is a good thing. Pure desire comes out of our spirit. It motivates us. It moves us into creativity. It gives us direction. Attachment, I'm taught, is desire mixed up with fear. The fear of loss or the fear that we're not going to get what we want. And so the the process Let's say a person, you know, desires a certain job. Well, seeking that opportunity is a, then a good, a good move. But attachment to getting it means that uh, there's the fear of, of not getting what's wanted. And what I've been shown over and over again is when we're attached, our fear of loss or not getting what we want really blocks our ability to be clear, to make wise decisions. It makes us vulnerable. It affects our self-esteem. So I, I think it's a very important distinction. Would you say that another word for attachment could be control? Well, I think when people are attached, sometimes they get controlling. Sometimes when people are attached, they become passive because they're so afraid of not getting what they want that they don't even try. So it can manifest in a variety of ways. Because, mm, you know, I always think of control as, as, as being rooted in fear, because if we don't have control over a certain situation or person, then, we, you know, all hell is going to break loose and what's going to happen to us. So it, it's sort of the same thing with attachment. Um, <laughs> it's a lot that, you know, there's so many different things that once we clarify them and can let them go, you, you know, it does, it does change a life. Yes. That's such an important phrase. Letting go, letting go of attachment, um, is a practice. Um, I, I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, write about it a lot in this particular book, but I have another one called Death and Letting Go, and it's very much about letting go of attachment. Yeah. Okay, I just have my dictionary out here. I'm looking up attachment. Can and I know we're gonna we're gonna close the end of the show quickly, so I gotta make this count, but when I'm not a good attacher, but I'm a real good detacher. But the detachment is just the opposite of attachment. It's fear-based. If I don't detach, I don't have to say goodbye. Or if I don't attach, I think it can go both ways, attachment and detachment. Um, intentional, I think it's our intention that that has to do with part of it. I, I'd love your insight on that, Ellen. Well, um you know, I know the term attachment in some circles is 
used as a way of bonding. Um, but I'm not using the word attachment as bonding. Uh, and detached is also something that can be based in fear. So I see being detached and attached both being more fear-based. And so I would tend to use words such as bonds or, um, or you know, objective, unattached. It's, to me, attunement is the bottom line because in one situation, you distance yourself. In another situation, you move into an intimacy. So every situation is different. And instead of making hard and fast rules of what's right and wrong, it's this process of attuning to the individual situation to determine what is and is not appropriate. Alan, that was a beautiful, a beautiful discussion. And I, as a wordsmith over here, I really enjoy um, digging in and chewing on some of these words and, and, you know, getting the goodness out of them. Uh, I want to thank you for being our guest today. The book is The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on earth. Author is Ellen Tad. You're going to want to get a copy of this. Check it out. It's brand new, hot off the press. We'll be back again next week with more great guests. And on behalf of Linda Franklin, Ellen Tad, and myself, have a great week. Let's make it count. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toganet.com. <laughs>